Broadcasting from Alito to Alton, from Champaign to Chicago, and from Robinson to Rockford, this is the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com. Let the fun begin. This is the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com. Like she just said, Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, Brad Sturdy, Patrick Quinn working audio for us. A uh, lot to get into this hour. Later on, Dion Thomas stops by and talks about this Illini team. Uh, Illini men's team, we should say, because both the uh, teams in action, both teams in action against Indiana, both teams watching the opposing big men score at will inside, gentlemen. As uh, so <laughs> we look back, let's talk about this men's game right now against Indiana. 80-65 in a game that, um, boy, you know, the opening two minutes, it was 4-0 Illinois, and it was almost like Rocky Four. And Drago's coach says, rush, 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 and it just was over. <laughs> wow. Rocky four reference. I watched that the other night, actually. No, um, <laughs> it was just a horrible defensive execution um, game plan. Trace Jackson just made another layup on his way out of the State Farm Center. <laughs> um, you know, he just uh, it was. 15 of 19 from the floor. The only shot he didn't take from inside five feet was the one that he got fouled on from three, I think. So, right, right. Um, he made all three of those free throws. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can't let, and I know, you know, we talk about not allowing, you know, maybe they don't want to get three point shooters to get hot, but the reality is that you can't allow someone to shoot 15 or 19 from two point range and get to the rim and, Indiana overall, 21 of 26 at the rim, 54 points in the paint. It's not a recipe for Illinois winning that game. Yeah, you know, and I seem to remember a team that survived for three years by throwing it into a huge guy in the middle. Um, And we got to see the opposite side of that. Um, And it was just, as a fan, it was very frustrating for whatever reason. I just didn't understand why we saw um, the repetitive, you know, attacks on the interior and there was never any help for the Illini defender as we got to watch poster after poster um, made by Trace Jackson Davis. We wrote about this on IlliniGuys.com after the game uh, Thursday night that there's nobody in America happier that Kofi Coburn is no longer wearing an Illini uniform than Trace Jackson Davis. Uh, Kofi was his daddy for three years. Let's just call it what it is. 42% shooting, only averaged 14 points per game, uh, and he lost four out of five against Kofi, and he comes out again in this one and just dominates. Um, Guys, I think the one thing, and and where do we go from here? Uh, For Illinois, you've got Ohio State coming in. The Buckeyes are struggling, just like Indiana was before they came in. Um, But I think momentum loss, and, and, and talk me out of this hole, Four straight wins. It seemed like the team had come together, kind of figured things out. Um, Terrence Shannon tried his best to come in. RJ Melendez played well off the bench. Um, but Dane, a lot to learn from this game underneath. Uh, Matt Meyer, only 0 for 4 shooting. Um, they've got the weekend now. Um, you, you take a break, I'm sure, I guess, uh, Friday and, and get back at it. But what's, what's I mean, it's not all is lost. You're 4 and 4 in conference. Um, despite the announcers actually saying Indiana is now a contender. They're not. They're still in the bottom half of the of the league and a long way to go at, at just three and four. Um, but where does Illinois go from here? 
Well, I, I think getting healthy is a big part of it. Matthew Meyer being, um, he had the flu, obviously, okay. as we found out, and so didn't play as many minutes. And this is a guy who's been scoring 18 a game. His, But it, it, I think he was out of it in both, in, both ends of the floor, to be honest. Um, then the other part is where they, they have to take Friday and Saturday off NCAA regulations, okay. which is probably good for them. Yeah, yeah. Taking those time. They need that those days off. And then get ready for Ohio State, who has to play a game over the weekend so illinois has um to go back to playing the way they were the energy the ball having energy moving the ball and offense but most importantly they're going to have to do a better job defensively that was the biggest i think hole against indiana was they did not guard well at all they forced indiana into layups which generally speaking in high major basketball that's not a good thing yeah there's just there wasn't a lot to take away from this that's good other than the fact that the Big Ten really appears to be Purdue towering over everybody both literally and metaphorically at the top and then you have Nebraska and Minnesota down at the bottom and you have a a bag of teams that you shake them out and Mm -hmm. you don't know who's going to win or lose on any given night. That's a great point when you think about it. I mean, Purdue goes into the weekend with a two-game lead on everybody. You know, Michigan State, all of a sudden, uh, they've bounced back from from back-to-back losses. Um, They look good in their game. They beat Rutgers. Both those teams tied for second at five and three. And then it's everybody else down there. Um, You know, it's a very deep league. It's it's competitive. Um, But, Brad, I think you you hit the nail on the head, the proverbial nail on the head. you got to move the ball. Um, there's one thing that's been very consistent about Illinois and all their losses this season. Um, Illinois, I've said before, they're undefeated, and it's not a crazy stat. They're undefeated when they have more assists than turnovers. They had more turnovers than assists against Indiana, and, and they lost. Um, and I think they're four and six when that happens, nine and oh, when it's the other way around. So, um, you know, long season, got to figure things out 13 and six and, uh, and four and four, um, uh, overall, um, in this. Uh, I'm sorry, four and four in the in the in the Big Ten. Uh, okay, let's let's we're gonna take a, an early timeout here because we have so much uh, coming up. We'll talk about the the women's team and uh, Adalia McKenzie, the same suffering the same fate. Uh, TJD, 35 point season high um, against the Illinois men Thursday night. It was McKenzie Holmes 30 points against the women as Indiana beat the Illini women as well, uh, coming in 21st in the country, Illini women. We'll talk about that. We'll get Matt uh, Stevens coming on as well to talk about what's ahead here for Illinois football now that they kind of know who is going pro and who's not. Big announcements this week. All that and more coming up. This is the Sports Spectacular. Keep it right here. Slow down, they say. You're getting older. Relax. Seriously, you're on a mission. You've got places to go, grandkids to see. At OSF Healthcare, we want you to be the best you possible. Whoever you are, wherever you're going, whatever your mission is, we're here to support it. Because that's our mission. Your life, our mission. Learn more at osfhealthcare.org slash your way. This Newsmaker segment presented by Busey Bank, the Illini women's basketball program off to the hottest start ever. 15-3 and three before coming up short Wednesday night against Indiana. But, guys, you know, what Shauna Green has done in year one is nothing short of remarkable. Taking over a team that won just seven games a year ago and beginning to get some national notices as she made the short list of one National Coach of the Year honor. And, and let's face it, I think it's well-deserved. 
No question. She's done a fa- fantastic job, and they're they're so far ahead of schedule. Um, when it ta- you and you talk about this rebuild, and they were starting from you know essentially scratch. I mean, they had some nice players. You know, we know about Adalia and Kendall Bostic returning, but at the same time, this, this is a program that hadn't won at all, and now they've they've already surpassed the expectations for the season. You know, we're hoping 500 would be a really good year. They're 15 and four, and and they're not done yet, and, and they matter. I think that's the cool thing about it is this is actually a game when they play Indiana, number six Indiana, number 21 Illinois. They're actually in the mix, and they mattered. And it was a competitive game. They lost, but they showed they compete with Indiana, and, and Indiana knew they were there. You know, I think the interesting thing is is, is they need depth, uh, you know, at the five. And if I'm a basketball recruit and I see the job that Coach Green has done and the staff has done here, I see the talent that would be around me. I'd have to take look a long and hard at this Illinois team as a place I might want to land. Yeah, Mike, I think that'll especially be helpful in the portal this offseason because, you know, they've got a pair of quality high school kids coming in. Now you have to say, hey, look, this is what we need. And you can find even – what do you have to be an incoming freshman? Find somebody with experience who's already done it. And, and you could be really successful next year. Yeah, well, I, we need the female Dane Danger. <laughs> well, I mean, well she, Dane has long hair. Does that count? There, <laughs> I'm you. You could you could crack that joke to him, Brad. I'm going to hold off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brad's he's got that kind of juice. We can't do that. You know, he's <laughs> shown that. I mean, and and let's face it too. Let's give credit to for bringing in Kendall Bostic and Adalia McKenzie and um and Jayla Odin and you know the players you know Jada Peoples who were here before already. But then Sean has done that with. Um, the players she brought from Dayton and Genesis Bryant from NC State. And um, and you're right. When you think about this program, uh, 49th year of Illini fighting Illini women's basketball, there have been only six 20-win seasons. And yet, barring some surprise or collapse, they're on pace to do that again at 15-4. and four. Um, It's just remarkable. It hasn't happened since the 2007-2008 season, 20-15 and 15 under Jolette Law in her first season, uh, and then things, you know, went down uh, from there. Um, when we talk about, uh, you know, on the court, uh, you mentioned, Mike, the depth in this team. It really, the lack of depth really showed Wednesday night. Uh, Illinois getting into foul trouble in the second quarter, uh, falling behind, and then never could quite catch up. Uh, as Brad mentioned, it was a valiant effort, 83-72. Um, but Brad, again, like you said, the thing is, this is a game that that years ago in past years would have been a 30 point blowout by Indiana. They never would have recovered. This team not only stayed in the game, but actually showed some fight and made a late run before they finally uh, came up with the loss. Yeah, they did. And they competed. And, you know, it wasn't. A, and I think that the thing is, if you're going to beat a team like Indiana, you have to really play. You can't have those airs. Um, yeah, Makaira Cook has to shoot it better. I mean, and they have to not turn it over in those key spots. And uh, you have to just get those to be able to find a way to get defensive stops, play without fouling. All those little things against a team like Indiana, who is the number six team in the country, they are, I guess you would say, magnified. And so when you make those little mistakes, it comes back to haunt you. You get away with them against maybe a Minnesota the week before uh, or the few days before. But now you, you, you can't make those mistakes. So they're going to learn, and they're going to grow from it. So, yeah, I, I think it was really impressive. They don't quit. This group does not give up. Yeah, and I think, you know, the, the they've got to be careful with uh, Kendall Bostic. You know, she, she can't foul. Um, is that fair or not fair? Well, it, it just is what it is right now. But you look, you know, she played 28 minutes, was, was seven for nine from the field. 
um, ended up with 11 rebounds, 17 points. Uh, if they can find a way to keep her on the court, then the game is much different, more like what happened in Bloomington uh, when the Illini nearly pulled off the upset. And that just goes to show you, again, a team that is being developed from a roster standpoint. Um, and I think the way Coach Green uh, and her staff, the way they recruit, um, this is probably going to be the the last year that they they have these type of problems. But but you can see the difference in the depth of maybe the men's basketball team who's had a person leave the team, had a starter out most of the year, and and uh, this team. And I think um, that's where time is the only thing that you can use uh, to to assuage that. Well, and you're right. And until you get those other pieces, um, every piece right now with Illinois has to operate at maximum uh, performance. You know, Kendall Bostic out for quite a while. You lose her rebounding. You lose a, a solid inside presence. They make a run. When she goes out again the third quarter, same thing, another 14-5 run. Makaira um, Cook, Brad, you mentioned 5 of 18 shooting in this game. Uh, Adalia, we'll, we'll talk to her here in a couple of minutes. Um, she had 15 points, but 13 in the first half. I mean, they, they really held her in check in the second half. So you have to have everything going. You know, Genesis Bryant fouls out. Okay, there goes your three-point shooter. So um, to your point, you add those other pieces. You add some really talented freshmen. You add a couple of pieces in the, in the portal. All of a sudden, you've got that deeper, like you said, that bench. You can go eight, nine, ten if you have to, and uh, and that makes some changes. So they're at uh, Northwestern here coming up uh, on Sunday. Um, you know, here's the thing, guys. Uh, Fifty five hundred people there as well. State Farm Center Wednesday night. So kudos to the crowd of showing up. Second best crowd of the year. Um, I would not want to be the Wildcats because this team has shown they come back with a vengeance when they lose. They learn from that game and they really come out hard the next game. Yeah, they have. They've been really good at bouncing back and and coming back. I mean, you you looked at a you know when they lost the Ohio State game, you know, and they had a seventeen point lead, lost it. It came out. It, it didn't miss a beat. It would have been easy for some teams um, to lose confidence then and say, "Oh my gosh, we blew this game." Or when they lost in the end of the first time. So this is the kind of team though that bounces back, plays well, and, and the next time they you know take advantage of it and and get the win. And that's uh, I think that's been the big. It's big thing with this group is they they're they're not with where they're at. You know, it's a. I remember the Illinois Illinois men's team used to have a slogan that we didn't come this far to come this far, and, and that's kind of where the women's program they didn't come they didn't get to fifteen and four so they could be fifteen wins. They want to keep advancing and, and win twenty and make the NCAA tournament. Yeah, they their their previous three losses they've won the next game by twenty one, eighteen, and thirteen. So um, this team, if they keep that same fire burning, um, should be ready for business. And that Northwestern team's a scrappy team that you can't underestimate. So the, the Illini will have to be on their game, but uh, you might be able to see some fireworks. L- listen to Mike spitting facts. <laughs> Look at them throwing those statistics I, out. That, the sales, a sales guy can add and subtract. <laughs> That's right. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, Illini 15 and four, five and three in conference had a chance to kind of climb, but again, they take the setback, but we uh, are confident they'll come back on the road at Northwestern uh, Sunday afternoon, two o'clock and that game streaming on uh, big 10 network. Plus this newsmaker segment presented by Busey bank, longtime supporter of Illini athletics and of Illini as well as this sports spectacular radio show. We mentioned her, the Illini gal, Adalia McKenzie. She gives us her perspective Next on the Illini Guys Radio Network. A tradition of excellence over 150 years in the making. At Busey Bank, we're committed to building relationships that span generations. 
wherever your journey in life leads you. We are with you along the way, creating a legacy for you and your family. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868, proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini, member FDIC. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. Well, as we promised before the commercial break, she's the Illini gal, Adalia McKenzie, joining us now, uh, star guard for the Illinois women's team, now ranked 21st in the country. I'm not sure if we actually mentioned that number, uh, but we can't say it enough. Um, some emotions, of course, coming off um, uh, that rare loss i mean it, it's it's a rare thing for you guys 15 and 4 still the best start in program history um adalia your thoughts uh starting off on the indiana game the other night uh, at state farm center yeah honestly it was a good game but it was also a tough one um credit to indiana they played well and utilized homes really well but it's just a learning lesson i think we played well as as well but we just gotta like do a, a lot better on the little things you know what what was it like in the locker room after this again this is just the the fourth time in 19 games that, that you guys uh, have lost so um this is rare this season what was the the mood what did coach green say and, and what what was the buzz uh, that you guys were talking about after uh after this loss yeah we just talked about bouncing back literally like learning from this game and there was a lot to learn about and when we talk about like when we lose, it's never negative. It's always positive. Like, okay, like let this fuel us. You know, we got to learn. We just got to keep learning, keep growing, and keep working hard. And you know, I like what Coach Green says if you don't like something that you're doing, work harder, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just all about getting better and learning from it and not being down about it and having negative feelings because that really will stop that growth. We were talking before in the in the last segment about um, this was a team that, you know, Kendall Bostic goes out and we'll talk about more about her in a moment. But that was when they made their run. You're leading nine points, 1910 in the first quarter, leading until she went out. That's when they began to make their run and and you fought back. But the deficit was just too much. Um, What does it say about this team? And I know, you know, moral victories, eh, you know, that's not win loss column. That's not why you're here. But at the same time, this is a, a program that um, four losses, but you've been in every single game. I mean, there are no blowout losses where you were outmatched. Uh, you know, you guys were in this game and, until the final minutes. Yeah, we always talk about just keep fighting, like no matter what, we're going to work. You know, and when you really want to win, you're going to do whatever it takes, whether that's, you know, going hard 110% for 40 minutes or diving on the floor, you know, doing every little thing. So, we just we will never give up, but we'll never fold. That's our mentality. That's just what we stand by. Yeah. Five and three in conference, those three losses coming to teams at the very top. Ohio State still undefeated and in, in Indiana now. Uh two losses, the one last month and the one here. Uh they have only just uh, one loss. So again, uh, you know, Illinois in the conversation of women's basketball. It's been a long time since that has happened. We talked about Kendall Bostic and the game changing when she went out with the two fouls in the second quarter. Uh, her third foul early in the third quarter still comes back to record her seventh double double, uh, seventeen points, eleven rebounds. Um, I think this game illustrated if if those watching this this fighting a lot of basketball team don't already know um, what a special player Kendall is and how important she is to your team. Yeah, Kendall is really important and special. Like we all love playing with her. Like 
she's able to score. She's able to get rebounds. You know, her defense has gotten a lot better. She does the little things for us. And also, she's a great leader. So it's always good having a leader who produces, like, mentally and physically. And it, it seems, too, with this team that you guys are comfortable with whoever's got the hot hand. Um, You know, I don't see maybe you do and you know the plays and where they're supposed to go. But to the observer, um, anyone is a leading scorer on any given night. Uh, you've been a leading scorer with career highs. Uh, Kendall had the career high against uh, Ohio State. Makaira, career high at Indiana. Um, Genesis Bryant it was has twice been named Big Ten Player of the Week. I mean, you know, it seems, again, you guys are very comfortable. As long as you're winning, it doesn't matter, you know, who's the leading scorer or who gets as many shots, whatever, as long as you're winning. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, like, we always talk about how everybody has a role in doing their role and doing it at their best level. And we know that not every night someone's going to, like, you know, have the same amount of points or same amount of production. But we know as long as we work hard and everyone gives something, like, we'll win. It's just whatever it takes. Uh, you've got now a game at Northwestern coming up Sunday afternoon. Uh, you beat the Wildcats before. Um, so you've got back-to-back games here playing against teams that you've already played. What do you take from that experience, um, having already seen Indiana and, and what you learned in the second time into this game against the Wildcats? Yeah, um, it's all about learning. Um, actually, the first time we played Northwestern, we did not like that game. It was like an ugly one for us. Mm-hmm. And our defense was probably the worst defense we had that game. So, and like, I just feel bad for Northwestern because like we just lost and we're mad about it. Like we got to go take it out on them and we got to bounce back and go get our dub and do it in a way that we want to do it. And we said that same thing right before the commercial break in the last segment that we feel for Northwestern because this is an Illinois team that has yet to suffer back-to-back losses. You guys come out with a vengeance after a loss. And so um, we expect a lot of energy and um, take it out on Northwestern. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Get that dub. All right. We will uh, leave it there and let you uh, get back to uh, what you have going on on this day. Adalia McKenzie, good luck in Evanston, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much. All right, she's the Illini gal. You got it. Adalia McKenzie joining us here on the Sports Spectacular. The deadline has come and gone for college football players to declare for the NFL draft. Matt Stevens tells us what that means for the Illini. That's next. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys radio network. Now, let's get back to the studio. Larry, Mike, and Brad joined by Matt Stevens, football writer and analyst for IlliniGuys.com. And uh, the big story this week on Monday was the deadline for players to decide uh, if they're going to enter the NFL draft. And so, Matt, um, that's done. And uh, you had some great reporting and great um uh, insider stuff on the Illini guys board for the premium members earlier this week. The first to tell us about this, about the law firm, uh, Newton and Randolph decided to come back for 2023. And that means uh, no matter what courtroom they go into in 2023 in the football season, this fall, they'll have a good defense. See what I did there. Yeah, those jokes are going to be 12 months long, aren't they? Um, no, I, it's a great day for, it was a great day for Illinois. It's a great thing for Illinois football uh, that Johnny Newton and, and, and Keith Randolph are going to be back. You know, I said it on our pod here on Illini guys with, with Mike Cagley and Ked, Kedrick Prince, that I, I've tried really, really hard to find some defensive line in the country, in FBS, in, in, in anywhere in college football 
that is going to be more productive, have more productive stats returning and, and have more talent than Illinois will have returning next year. And I can't find one, not at Georgia, not at Alabama. And I know those guys are going to have great defensive lines next year, but Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph have produced for a year and if not more. Um, and, you know, these outside linebackers, Bacchus is going to be a sophomore next year. And Seth Coleman announced this week that he's coming back. So he's going to be somebody that has performed at this level at a high level and, and done great things. So that five-man front that you can expect Illinois to throw out there a lot of the time that's going to come after the quarterback and come after guys in the backfield have already shown you that they can perform at a high level at the FBS level, at the Big Ten level, and against high-quality competition. And so – um, you know, it's a great day for Terrence Jamison. Jamo gets to coach these two guys again, and it's a great way for Illinois to continue to build off the depth of their defense that that was number one in the country in scoring last year. That I, I think could even maybe be as good, if not better, because of the guys that you have in the secondary that got all that experience in the last month of the year. Um, even without Ryan Walters coordinating the defense next year, I think this defense could still be at the optimal level that you saw in 2022. And that's exactly because, you know, Keith Randolph and Newton come back. And those are, those are two NFL quality guys that you're going to have disrupting the backfield for, for the potential of 12 games, if they can stay injury free. Man, I, I look at this, obviously it helps Illinois huge. It's a huge um, return. They're hu huge thing for Illinois in 2023 but i also think it's important because well, let's talk about this trying to get ahead of the curve where now your freshman can come in and really focus on gaining weight and getting ready to play as opposed to actually having to play as an undersized guy who isn't ready and in right. being thrown into the fire how important is that in for the future you know, Brad, you know this as a coach in any sport that if you if you have two guys like Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph that are going to do it right in practice every day, um, those guys get to watch that. They get to watch how much those guys put into their much time and effort those guys put into their craft. And you're absolutely right because a guy like Sed McConnell and a guy like Bryce Barnes is going to watch that. And, you know, whether or not they have the tools in the toolbox that a Keith Randolph and a Johnny Newton have is debatable at best but they at least know what it's going to take to get to that level um, to be able to play 12 weeks a year and however many snaps that they have to play. And I also think that it also helps you from a depth perspective because it allows you to do a whole bunch of creative things that, you know, Jamo was already doing in the last half of the year. You saw Johnny Newton playing at the nose on third down a lot and to get, you know, quicker on the outside with guys like Keith and with guys like Seth, Coleman and with guys like Gabe Yakis and, and even Calvin Hart Jr. was lining up in a two-point stance on the outside. So I think that you can you because they know exactly what they're these are older guys know exactly what they want to do. Aaron Henry in his first year as a defensive coordinator gets to even be more creative in the box because he has two guys that already know exactly what they're supposed to do. So getting creative with everybody else is 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 exactly what you want to do because those guys already know how to do their job and and do it at a high level. So I think everything could get better up front and in the box at Illinois um, going forward in 2023. Yeah, and and Matt, I know that you were planning to do kind of a preview of the starting kind of the sure. depth chart for the offense, defense, and special teams next week. And sort of if you go to lineiguys.com, you can get that. Um, what does what kind of pressure does this up front uh, returns? What does that take off of a young defensive backfield? Well, it's 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 what I call winning the race. 
I mean, it's it's what Ryan Walters did last year a lot of the time, even with guys like Sidney Brown and Devin Witherspoon and Taz Nicholson back there. Um, it, it, it's it's called if if your if your front seven can get to the quarterback before he can get the throw off, that's you won the race. Defense won the race. And you saw in the Purdue game that, you know, Jeff Brown was able to scheme it up a little bit so that his offense won that race. And I think there's going to be a lot of interesting things that that Aaron Henry, because of his aggressive nature, is going to be able to do again, because Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph are just going to be two stalwarts that you're going to be able to play there and be able to do their job. You're going to be able to get creative with a guy like Gabe Yakis, Mike, because I'm telling you from a physical standpoint and what he was able to produce as a true freshman, he reminds me more of Simeon Rice than anybody I've ever seen in an Illinois jersey in quite some time. And I think you could get real creative with guys like him, with guys like Seth Coleman and with guys like Alec Bryant on the outside. I, I think that the fact, and I, I know this is kind of like, you know, trickle down economics, but trickle down football. But the fact that Terrence Jameson is going to have two stalwarts on his defensive line, whoever is hired to coach the outside linebackers rush ends is going to have a hell of a time being able to get real creative and have a hell of a time coaching that group because they know what their job is going to be, which is, Hey, go get the quarterback or go get the running back. And, and that's that when you need, anytime you can simplify something like that, because you have two veterans that already know exactly what they're supposed to do and what all the other nine players on their defense are supposed to do, you know, your defense just gets infinitely better because you you know you have two guys that are basically the stalwarts for the motto of do your job. Yeah, Gabe Aukas as a true freshman, uh, winning freshman All-American honors, and it was well-deserved as well. The kid out of Florida, uh, what a find by Brett Mielan and his staff. And like you said, what a future. We've talked all season that I mean, he's just scratching the surface. Imagine now that he gets some technique behind him, uh, what he can do. Like you said, Simeon Rice is a great comparison. There's no question. Matt Stevens, IlliniGuys.com, football writer and analyst. Many thanks to you. We'll see you next week. Not a problem. Have a good one, guys. All right. More on Illini basketball up next. All-time leading scorer and color analyst on Illini radio broadcast, Dion Thomas and the secret behind the Illini's recent success. That's right after this on the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com. Welcome back to the Sports Spectacular. This segment brought to you by OSF Healthcare. He is, and I think will remain, I think forever, uh, the all-time leading scorer of Illinois basketball. Dion Thomas is joining us now. You know, Dion, when you and I, we talk all the time, but when, when you were on the show last year, we thought Kofi was maybe going to stay and would, you know, you were okay with him wiping your name off the top of the list right now. But the way college basketball is right now, I, I don't know that we'll have a player stay four years to to challenge your record. And I, I would agree with you 100 percent. I mean, the, the way college basketball is, I mean, you may not have a kid stay at your university for the following year, let alone four years. Right. You know, with the way the transfer portal and all of this new stuff with NIL is going on. I mean, players are going to be moving and jumping ship all the time and. You know, I'm happy for the guys to be able to have some freedom, which I know the NCAA is going to change that transfer portal rule. But to be able to have some freedom of movement and, and of course, you know, being able to earn off of their name, image and likeness, I think is a great thing. But, man, you're right. I, I was hoping to be able to make the Eddie Johnson phone call. And, and for the listeners that don't know what that is, the night I broke Eddie Johnson's record, he, he called me and congratulated me on on doing so. And I was hoping to be able to make that call. But. Man, the state of college basketball now, either we're going to have a huge or a big time score that's going to average close to 30 a game, 
or you know that thing will be there for a while man <laughs> and and we don't mind because you're such a great ambassador uh not just for the game but also of course for illinois basketball for chicago as well um all the thank you all the, all the things you do you're legendary and and uh, and we respect you uh in every way um hey let's uh, let's talk uh, obviously a little uh, illinois basketball right now and and uh you know catching up here uh before the indiana game um Again, you and I have a conversation ongoing. You know some concerns about this team in December, but they have really turned it around. And and in my mind, this is the team that we thought we would see earlier um, in the season at some point. And we thought we saw some glimpses in Las Vegas, and then things changed. Mm-hmm. What, is, what has been the difference for this team? And uh, from and you've got as as good a seat as anybody right there as the color man uh, on on radio for the Illini broadcast. Well, I'll tell you this. This is one of the most talented teams uh, and probably the most skilled team that we've had since 89. I mean, you have guys that can play all over the court. Um, You have length at basically every position. You have a skilled inside player that has the ability to be able to put the ball on the floor, get to the basket. So the skill level on this team is extremely high. What we saw at the beginning is all of those things on display. But what we saw was five-man switching, five-man out offense. You know, of course, the typical Brad Underwood defense where guys were playing hard. But this time they had gone back to what I would say was old-school Brad basketball, which was, you know, first year at Illinois where they were pressing full court and you know, and I, and I think he tried some different things because of the team that he had. And early on, those things work, you know, because teams haven't had an opportunity to scout you. They don't see you. They don't know you. You move on into the season. Now there's video, you know, and, and guys can people can go on and dissect you and, and be able to pull some things apart. But the thing that makes great coaches great coaches is not um, – the great systems that they may have or this or that is being able to make adjustments and changes when necessary. So Illinois hit a skin. Some things went bad. You know, you have these crazy people blaming it on Sky Clark and so forth and all of this madness. Whereas certain systems and things that you do just don't fit your team. You know, once teams, once other Um, programs get to sit down and look at you and dissect what it is. So what did Brad do? Brad did exactly what he did after year two going into year three. Okay, we need to make some adjustments. I mean, I'm talking about some adjustments all the way back to if you've seen any of the recent four games that these guys have been winning, the coaches are back in suits. Mm -hmm. I mean, Brad has changed all of that. The offense is different. The defense has gone back to what he was doing over the last few years with Kofi uh, being in there where they are pressuring the basketball, but other guys are, are helping. I wouldn't necessarily call it uh, uh, um, I'm, I'm drawing a brain fart on the defense that Wisconsin's played where everybody sits below the three-point line and, and then they try to force you into tough shots. I wouldn't necessarily go that far because they are pressuring the basketball. Yes, they are helping in those help lanes, but they're not giving up three-point shots, nor are they giving up two-point shots. As Brad calls it, they make you take tough twos. So they're they're really defending guys, but they're just not extending that defense. They're making guys play in the half court. 
And then when you have a team that's averaging almost seven block shots a game, they're doing a great job protecting the paint. So I think that's where the adjustment came in, Larry, is when Brad realized, okay, this what I was trying to do doesn't work with this team. So let me back this up, go back to the drawing board, and begin to teach what he had started to do in year two. So he kind of went back to the newer uh, Brad basketball and not the old school Brad basketball. Right. You know, and and he's mentioned in, in press conferences, and anyone who has followed Brad Underwood, he's done this before. He reminded uh, you know, the media and I think it was at the Northwestern game, one of the tough games. He said, Hey, look, we, we started 0-6 in the Big 12 in my one year at Oklahoma State. They rallied to go nine and nine in conference and and went on the NCAA. Um, and he did this a couple of years ago in the COVID year. I think it was Kobe's Ohio <laughs> sophomore year where they were they were you know struggling. They made some I mean, they made the big run. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, that that second year, I mean, they lost the most games in Illinois basketball history, 21 games. Yeah. And I think that may have equated into the largest turnaround in college basketball history. If not, it's very close because they turned around and ended up winning 25 games the next year. You know, I, I at the beginning of the year, I told everyone, and I and I – held on to what I said, this might be the most talented team and skilled team, sorry, the most skilled team we've had since 89. But don't expect all of this to work in the beginning. Right. Brad's teams get better January, February, March, you know, and, and that's where this team, as you see now with the four wins in a row, that they've really begun to kind of turn things around. And I think the players are happier with what Brad has put into, you know, the system he's put in, I think they are, well, they look happier on the court. They're smiling and enjoying, but, you know, that happens when you're winning. But even when they have gone down big, as in the Michigan State game, and, and, the, and uh, they have battled back, but they've always shown, you know, that dexterity to be able to fight back. But at this point, now they, okay, you never look like you're out of any contention whatsoever. They look so calm and relaxed and they're still playing. And, you know, and, and I think those were the changes came in that has really elevated this team's, um, the way they're playing. Talking with Dion Thomas, all-time leading scorer of Illinois basketball. And also he's the color analyst on uh, the Busey Network radio broadcast that we enjoy uh, night in, night out. And does such a great job with Brian Barnhart. And also uh, Doug Altenberger, another Illini legend we enjoy talking to. Um, you know, something else about this team that you mentioned that um, strong second halves. Um, it's one where we had seen this before. We had not seen it a few times in December where they're trying to figure some things out. Um, and I think the freshmen as well coming in um, and just being strong. You know, Sky Clark is no longer with the team and, and we wish him well and whatever his future, if he comes back or does not, we wish him well with that. Um, but it seems now that, Sincere Harris and Jaden Epps are comfortable sharing that the the one spot and coming in and one uh, being very aggressive on defense, I think is going to be a very good offensive player. It's not there yet. Uh, Jaden Epps with a great offense off the bench. Um, you can count on him you know, night in, night out with, with 10 points. And I think making better decisions, he's a freshman. He's going to make mistakes, mm -hmm. make, but making better decisions, um, which again, just makes that bench deeper. And then pretty soon you bring in sophomore Luke Goody, who's about to return here in the next several days. Um, this, this begins to, to be fun. And, and, and oh man, well, <laughs> you, you knocked it on the head, man. I mean, we're really starting to see uh, what this Illinois team can be. One of the biggest changes. And, and one of the things that, you know, being a big, I was calling for this early. 
Dane Danger needs yes. to be on the floor. Yeah. I mean, yeah. e- even if he's not doing the scoring, we all knew he, well, we, I'm not going to say we because the whole public didn't know about Dane Danger. But inside, we all knew Dane could score the basketball. I mean, I, I don't know if you remember his dad. I actually played with his dad at Simeon. You know, so his dad had the same skill level as what Dane has. He just wasn't as big. You know, he was a forward that you know, and played guard at six 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 seven. But Dane is a bigger body, you know, but they both have the same feet, the footwork, the quickness, and all of those other things. So I was clamoring to have him in the middle. Why? Because it makes the other teams have to defend him. Not just his ability to score, but his ability to pass, which, of course, opens up everything for everyone else. But you mentioned the freshman, you know, and, and, and Ty Rogers, to a lesser extent, doesn't get the notoriety because he doesn't play the minutes of Sincere Harris or Jay Ness. But his energy that he brings in day in and day out, and it really showed itself in that Minnesota contest where he was defending Garcia. Then he turned around, he'd be defending the point guard. He's rebounding the basketball. He played less minutes than just about anyone had just as many rebounds um, and eight, you know, totaling on that night. But his energy and effort, and you couple that along with the defensive effort and length of Sincere Harris, oh, man, on the defensive side, they're shutting down just about everybody or at least giving them a really hard night. And I, you know, Sincere is one of my favorite players. Jay Neps, as I told him when we were walking through the, ho- the hotel in Minneapolis, I love that kid, and, and I love him because you're going to get, fr- you know, freshman mistakes. We're, we're, we're almost halfway through the season, so they're not really freshmen anymore because you have to learn on the fly, especially in the Big Ten. But his poise is unlike, you know, any freshman that I've seen in a very long time. And his ability to be able to put the ball in the basket. I remember Chester Frazier, where we signed him, I called Chester. I'm like, Chester, tell me about him. He's like, Dion, he's a, he's a walking bucket. I'm like, okay. <laughs> he was like, he's a walking bucket getter. He was like, and he's tough as nails. I was like, I kind of figured that because you recruited them. And we all remember how Tester was as a player. You know, you were, you recruit like personalities. You know, you're, you're not going to go out there and recruit some soft guy if you were a bulldog. Yeah. So I, I knew this kid, you know, I just didn't, you, you question the poise of freshmen when they come in. Our freshman class, and I'm going to include, uh, Sky Clark in that, which, as you mentioned earlier, I hope he, I hope he comes back. I hope he is okay, and I hope his family is okay. Um, but to be quite honest, man, these guys have hit the ground running, and now they're in a full sprint, which you know kind of puts him behind the eight ball a little bit if he decides or if he fit if they figure out what's um, best for them and he comes back. Because you mentioned now, Luke Goody's coming in. Luke is going to be a stabilizer. Luke is going to be the best shooter on the court. You're always going to find space for the shooter and, and a kid that is a natural leader uh, on the court. Then he's back in his element. So this is that the 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 ceiling is very high uh, for this Illinois team, and they're trending in the right direction at the right time. And I did not know. I didn't realize that Dane Danger's dad played with you at Simeon. I didn't. I didn't realize the connection. Really? Yeah, he did. Uh, so he was originally a Chicago kid, but when Dane graduated, went out to San Diego State, which is where he played ball at. Okay. And then, of course, he played for the Timberwolves for a short time. And then they ended up settling in, in Minnesota. But, oh, yeah, so Dane, well, his 
dad's name is Baba. He changed his name from Dana. Dana Jackson was a heck of a player at Simeon, and he transferred in a couple years older than me. So, you know, I was one of the younger guys with him. But, yeah, Dana had skills, man. Wow. And his son, he, and he's passed those right along to Dane. Yeah. Well, I think you're right that it changed the dynamic that I know, you know, that, yeah, you don't have the five interchangeable guys that Brad had wanted to try to go with at the beginning of the season. But I think you're right. That's a change. And here's a difference. And again, you know, we love Kofi and what he brought to the program and we miss him. But he, the difference, and I know you see this, he'll face the basket and and he's got great footwork. And that's a thing that he he's not hitting a jumper yet, but. He's got the footwork. I think of the, the devastating move against the freshman uh, against Michigan State, where he took two steps before the kid moved. And yeah, he does. He's got great feel around the basket. Um, you know, he blocks shots. Meyer will block it from behind. Shannon from behind. Rogers from behind. So um, the the defense is picked up. And I think again, he's a big part of that. Having that guy in the middle there. Um, and if you look, he's only he's not playing. He's barely playing 25 minutes, and yet he's making major impact mm-hmm. in, uh, in in those 25 minutes. Um, I want to talk uh, before I let you go here about um, NIL. I know you're involved in um, some new projects here in 2023, trying to get some money into the program. Tell me about what you're doing. Well, it's it's actually changed. The NCAA has changed the rules, uh, and I myself, I'm the associate director of development for Illinois Athletics. So we, we went from not being able, as a, as a department, not being able to be involved uh, with assisting with NIL. When the Illinois, state of Illinois changed their rules, then we were involved for a short time. And then the NCAA came back in and was like, no, we don't want athletic departments uh, being involved in it. So now what most schools, well, with just about all of them, especially if they want to win, have gone and started using collectives, meaning people that are outside of the program. Like, And we have a couple of them. We have one, which is the Illini Guardians, which is a group of uh, former Illinois student, not students, they were not athletes, so they're alum that have taken their time to put together um, this collective called, um, like I said, Illini Guardians. And they've done a really good job of starting that model. And then now we have what's called Icons. So Icons, again, a third party company uh, that was started to work with our athletes on retaining and, and bringing in dollars to be able to assist with that NIL piece. So we're fortunate, kind of like in Indiana, where they, but they have Mark Cuban. So if we can get a Mark Cuban <laughs> to come on board, a Mark Cuban type. Uh, to come on board, then, you know, the sky's the limit for the program with these two collectives uh, doing their thing on the outside. It's, it's become a big help uh, for Illinois. And as you see, we got the lawyers, we got the law firm on, on the defensive line coming back, you know, the next year. And a lot of that work was due to uh, what Kathleen Knight has done over with Icon, with her company, Icons. And I'm glad you explained that. I don't want to get you or anybody else in trouble because the, the rules are constantly changing. And to your point, they're just yes. the state. I mean, it's um, and I know that's part of the challenge has been for everyone involved, including you with the athletic department. Um, how do you approach it? What can you do? What can you not do? And that's one of the I know it's been one of the frustrations is, you know, the NCAA yeah. they'll make a statement. It's like, OK, that's great. But what can we do? <laughs> you still have an answer. Well, well, the thing is, the thing is, the NCAA should have, you know, should have been the first ones to step in the game and put out some guidance. But, you know, the NCAA is the NCAA. 
So really, as a development officer, when I'm out and I'm speaking with, um, you know, a potential donor or even a donor about, you know, our three pillars, which is scholarships, the student athlete experience, or, of course, brick and mortar, um, putting up buildings and things of that nature. And then our diversity, equity and inclusion um, plan, that's a part of our four pillars of what we're doing at the University of Illinois. If one of them says, hey, you know what, what about NIL? The breaks go on and then we have to, yeah, breaks go on. I can't talk to you about that, but here's the two people, the two uh, companies that you can get on. You can talk to the Illini guardians about this, or you contact Kathleen Knight over at icon and you guys handle that. So we, we are as a department as fundraisers really hand off, hands off. We can just point people say, Hey, this is who you need to speak with. This is who you need to speak with. And then we, we step back and we stay away from that. Uh, we, we we got the directive early <laughs> from the top down. Yeah, you know, we are no longer in that business, so, <laughs> so we avoid it at all costs. Right, right. And I know that uh, you know we've talked to Josh before. He's done such a great job um, with this, and just really uh, ahead of the game. Um, quick question before I let you go: Kevin Warren uh, making the decision to leave the Big Ten, um, go to the Chicago Bears. I think it's a great move for the Bears, for the city of Chicago, for Kevin Warren, and to to bring to the table all that he does. And the legacy he leaves behind, he has those uh, his critics in terms of uh, COVID, which it's another conversation um, because it was also in an era before we had uh, you know a, a vaccine and and there are a lot of other issues there. But in terms of the billion dollar TV deal, whoever comes into that space um, really is walking in you know playing with house money because things are already laid out. But how do you see quickly things changing um, in regards to the Big Ten and how things operate as you make this change to a new commissioner? Well, as you know, I'm a huge Bear fan. So let, let's let's address that one first. A lot of the things that you heard in the past, oh, well, the Bears are racist. Their, their upper management is racist, this and this and this and this. Well, they're never going to draft a black quarterback. We have a black quarterback. We have a black general manager. And now we have a black man at the head of that organization. I think that's, first of all, it gets all of that – racist crap out of the way that you've heard people say about my team. Second part of that, Kevin Warren did a great job. There's always chaos at the beginning. Now, did he make every right decision? No one makes every right decision when you have a ton of bricks dropped on your head, which is what COVID <laughs> was, <laughs> you know, which is what COVID was, which was now you got all of the players want to do, you know, be a union and all these other crazy things that, had taken place, you know, at the beginning of his tenure. But as you mentioned, we came out clean on the other side, the Big Ten Conference, that is. Now we put together this huge um, television deal, which is the biggest in college sports right now. Uh, and we have brought in UCLA, USC into the fold, you know, when with where we're ahead of all of the expansion talks and things that are going on. And, and he has a large part to do with that. I mean, of course, the athletic directors and the presidents as well as a collective, they all had a hand in making these things possible. So you're right. The next uh, commissioner that walks in kind of has the roadmap in front of him and, and really has to pick that up. And now how, how do you you have to elevate that? <laughs> you, you, you know what I'm saying? So I don't think he gets the credit for the things that he has done. But the next guy coming in has to continue to work with this uh, landscape of this of constant changing landscape 
And, and who knows what, you know, college football is going to look like in the next few years. I mean, you may have two or three super conferences. You NIL may end up changing and you may be paying, you know, student athletes may be employees of the university. There's a lot of things that that next uh, commissioner is going to have to work with. I wish him the best. And I just say, come in, ready to fire, ready to work with the people that you have to work with. Because the Big Ten wants to be at the head, at the forefront of, of all these things. You don't want to be the one that's tagging along. And I think that has certainly been the case that we, to your point, we don't know how the landscape is going to change for the next five or six years. I still think that we're going to have two or three super conferences come 2030. Uh, contract, we'll see what happens. Um, but to your point, we don't know. And, and, you know, there's still some possible expansion, maybe down the road, if they can get the dollars, right. <laughs> but Hey, Dion, you, know, you know, dollars make sense, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> hey, come down to the money. <laughs> Exactly. Everything. Everything. Yeah. Yeah, we will uh, let you know there. We always appreciate your time and uh, and, uh, and again enjoy your talents um, uh, on the Busey Network. Do you, I don't see you much on Big Ten Network now. Do you no longer do that? Well, when I the new president came in, um, when Mark left Big Ten to go take over Fox, uh, there was a new president brought in, and that same year I took a job in athletics. Okay. Uh, when I worked in government relations, there was, which is what I was doing before athletics, there was no conflict. Uh, so the new president thought that there may be a conflict. So I was kind of moved to the reserve role. And after that, I was just like, okay, I'm in a reserve role and I'm not getting any spots because, you know, the first people, <laughs> the first people you call are those that you have on your roster. Right. You know, and if they can't make it, then you call in the reserve. Right. So I was like, you know what? I'll concentrate on radio. Uh, I'll let Steve Bardo and all those other guys, right. <laughs> you know, make, make their way that way. Right. And we love having the uh, former Illini, Steve Bardo, Trent Meacham, getting some time up there in the studio. We do miss you. In oh, yeah. I know that you and I would communicate over the years and always enjoyed your work there. Hey, Dion, thanks for your time and your insights. And uh, let's have fun the rest of these uh, for these next several weeks. Yeah, so we're getting get, getting ready to go tomorrow. Got Indiana uh, coming into the House of Pain. So now we got to come out of there with a win, man. Keep this streak rolling. I appreciate you, Larry. Thanks always, brother. Okay, appreciate it, my friend. Take care. Deion Thomas uh, here. Right. And again, you can hear him with uh, Brian Barnhart on uh, the Illini radio broadcast along the Busey uh, Illini network. This sponsor, this uh, segment sponsored by OSF Healthcare. Listen to the Sports Spectacular all along the Illini Guys radio network. Slow down, they say. You're getting older. Relax. Seriously, you're on a mission. You've got places to go, grandkids to see. At OSF Healthcare, we want you to be the best you possible. Whoever you are, wherever you're going, whatever your mission is, we're here to support it. Because that's our mission. Your life, our mission. Learn more at osfhealthcare.org slash your way. Hello, this is John Makovic, former coach of the Fighting Illini, and I sure enjoy listening to the Illini guys on their Sports Spectacular. Another NFL playoff weekend, and guys, I'm not sure how we topped last week. I mean, um, what a bunch of great games. And, and you know, the, like the NFL needs reasons for us to watch, right? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty amazing stuff. I mean, the comeback, right? I mean, Jacksonville comeback was probably one of the most amazing things. My story is I was actually, we're driving to Minnesota while, during that game. So we're like, hey, let's turn on the game on the radio. 
Then we look at the score and it's 27 to nothing or whatever. And we're like, never mind. No point watching the game. And then check an hour later. Oh my, we have a football game. So, I mean, that's just an example. It's a lot of fun. Most of the games are very competitive. Um, but most, for the most part, except for the Vikings, um, who I remember we talked about how they had such a low point differential last week. And that was one of the things like they, they played in our, they're going to play close games and, it's easy to lose when that happens. So, bearing that, you know, a lot of chalk making it through. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting because did we see the birth of Daniel Jones as a as a serious quarterback for the for the Giants? There, a guy who under Jason Garrett, you know, couldn't do anything uh, under the right coaching staff. He's pretty darn talented, and it was it was really a, a fun weekend. There was there was a lot going on, and I really feel like the Cowboys now. About every other year, there's a team that blows out a team in the first round, and they become the, oh, my gosh, they're good, and then get trounced the next week. <laughs> and they're really set up for that when they got to go out and play San Francisco. Well, especially the kicker that, what, missed five extra points? I mean, I thought it was a joke when I when I heard that, you know. But trust yeah. me, it, it was a joke when we were watching it, too. Yeah, there you go. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. We know Jacksonville, um, you know, I, I've told you guys before that I did the play-by-play of the state championship of both of Trevor Lawrence's state championships. And this is a kid as a sophomore, we knew it was going to be something special to throw all those interceptions and to struggle in his first playoff half. And then to have the stones to come back and do what he did is just incredible. I mean, it's unbelievable. Let's talk, let's, let's, let's run through these quickly. Uh, Jags and chiefs guys, you know, the chiefs are the chiefs. They're at home, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going to count out the Jags in this. Cause this is a team that playing as hot as anybody right now in the NFL um, considering where they were midseason and how they finished uh, to get here. They did finish strong, Larry, but I'll go ahead and count out the Jags for you. Okay. And I'll take the Chiefs in this one. <laughs> yeah, I it's it's hard to go against um it's hard to go against the Chiefs. Certainly um, you know, Jacksonville. Um they're a great story. And of course, you know, the owner's son, Tony Khan, owns uh, AEW wrestling. So there's a reason to pull for him. <laughs> but I, I, I got to think that the Chiefs uh, and Andy Reid are the heavy favorites here and hard to, hard to go against those guys. Eight yeah. and a half. Yeah. Eight and a half point favorites. Yeah. There you go. Well, that's the early game Saturday. Late game. Uh, you mentioned Giants and Eagles. Um, you know, Philadelphia, this is where a lot of the NFL, anybody any year can be dominant. And the Eagles, I love again with a third round quarterback doing it. This is not a guy making fifty million a year. Um, he's a guy right now, for the moment, not for long, on third rounder money. In uh, Jalen Hurts, um, they they did everything right this year. And the number the number one seed. Yeah, I, I like this matchup. I think this is a really good game. Yeah. Um, I, I like the Giant. I think Giants playing well. So I think the Eagles are going to have to have a good week uh, to win this game. One thing about Jalen Hurts, though, if you go back and look at his career, what's he done? He's won. Yeah, yeah, I know he wanted Alabama and Oklahoma. This dude's now winning at Philadelphia. They, you surround him with good talent. He's going to make the right plays. He's maybe he's not, you know, a great quarterback, but he is a very, very good quarterback, and he's a guy you can win with. Yeah, this is a painful game as a Cowboy fan because the New York coach is good. This is a this is another team that reminds me of the nine and seven team that went on and won a Super Bowl against the Patriots. Um, their defense is getting hot at the right time, playing just good enough. Their quarterback is all of a sudden not making any mistakes. And then you've got Philadelphia, who it, it, literally they've got arguably the best team in football right now. And then when you take a look at their draft that they have set up this year, they are going to supercharge this team 
Um, so I, I got to go with Philadelphia, but my gosh, they could be significantly better next year than they were this year. What a nightmare. Wow. Yeah. For Cowboys fans, it is a nightmare. And Daniel Jones, wasn't he like, you know, basically on his way out of New York like a month ago? And now he's won a playoff game. I mean, one of those guys <laughs> like, you know, don't count him out too soon. Uh, the two Sunday games, uh, Bengals and Bills, the game that we didn't see played in Cincinnati because of the the terrible incident that we're thankful uh, DeMar Hamlin is okay. Um, this is one, you know, I mean, the Bills struggling with, with Miami before putting them away last week. And then the Bengals, I was at that Cincinnati game and never quite saw a play like that where, you know, it was a loose ball, never hit the ground, the fumble, and then the 98-yard return for the fumble return. Um, and what a job they've done up there with both of these franchises that have really struggled um, throughout most of, uh, you know, the Bills had the glory years, early 90s. But it's great to see these two fan bases get energized. And this should be a great game on Sunday. Yeah, this is fun. I mean, you've got the two elite quarterbacks, Joe yeah. Burrow and, and Josh Allen. I mean, this is this is what it's all about in playoff football. You've got these guys, and they're going to go out there, and they're going to feel each other out. And then I think in the second half, they're just going to – it's going to be who who has the ball last. I mean, I think that's what it's going to come down to, who can, who can score last and win this one. I love both these quarterbacks. They're both so fun to watch. But Josh Allen the last few weeks – uh, it has made a lot of mistakes and thrown a lot of passes that maybe he'd like back. Um, I think Burrow is just slightly more careful with the ball, and I think that may be the difference in this game. But uh, another game that uh, I'm not getting anything done Sunday afternoon, and I'm not getting anything done Saturday afternoon. So I've already got my weekend planned. <laughs> not a surprise there. Cowboys and 49ers. Uh, obviously, we know Mike's going to watch this with a lot of uh, personal interest. The 49ers, I love this. I love hearing all the stories about how, you know, Brock you know, Purdy was the, you know, the quarterback of their future. No, he wasn't. He's a third stringer who's just playing really, really well. And now you've got a quarterback issue because you now have three quarterbacks who can get it done. Um, you know, Brock Purdy was the, the afterthought in the, you know, whole Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo thing. Uh, so don't tell me that he was the quarterback of the future. Trey Lance is the quarterback of the future. They just stumbled upon Brock Purdy, and he's become a superstar. What is it, 11 straight wins for them coming in? Yeah, 11 wow. straight. And wow. you know what? The last time that they beat a team that's still alive in the playoffs what, this year was, oh, um, never. So um, we'll see how that plays out um, going forward. So I, I, I think the Niners are good, and th- this will be a com- – Really good game, but I think that there may be the 11 straight man. They have gotten some great breaks and scheduling and and uh, the way it's worked out. So, you know, I, I don't know. This is your chance, Mike, for your Cowboys to I, make their move. I go back to January. Prescott and their kicker. January 1993, the whole the whole league said the Cowboys were one year away from winning to the Super Bowl. And I remember, you know, making a lot of money on that game. As the as Emmett Smith and and the Cowboys played in the mud in San Francisco and and took out the uh, uh, 49ers on their way to their first Super Bowl victory and in what seemed like a long time you know 15 years and then we found out how long it can get between Cowboys Super Bowl victories but um, it, it, if Dak Prescott can take care of the ball Dallas can at least be competitive um, but this again if he takes care of the ball it should be a good game. Hey. Hey, stop. All right. You're going against a guy who was a third string quarterback. Come on. Yeah. Cowboys, they got no excuses. You yeah. should win this game. Yeah. That's on the road. Done. It's in San Francisco, Brad. Stop. I mean, stop. Yeah, I mean, stop. 
Look, what happened Third to the Raiders all those get games? It done. They haven't beat a team that's still alive in the playoffs yet. Here's the thing with the Cowboys. You know, for like, what, the past 25 years, every August I hear how this is the year. Because but that's only from I, the dumb Cowboy fans. Hang on. I know, but this is what I hear. Because that, that, they got this guy and this guy. And Jerry went and did this. And then you come to, you know, early December and you're 6-7 and seven, you get a scramble to get into the playoffs. I didn't hear that this year. So I think this is the year that, that the Cowboys, I, that, that could get it done. But, yeah, I agree with Brad. You should get this win. Uh, it should be happening. It, sh- it should happen for them. All right. That's it. No NFL. excuses for you, Cowboy people. No excuses. <laughs> you don't want to hear it. Zip it. Put your wine in. Zippy. <laughs> Look at me. I'm yeah. Zippy Longstock. Yeah. See, we'll see who he decides to overpay next year. We already <laughs> pay Dak $10 million more than he needs. Pay, then, uh, pay Ezekiel Elliott $12 million I got a more sign on my desk at work. It's carved in wood. It says, quit your belly aching. Right. I have I have one too. It's called Jerry's an idiot. But <laughs> don't tell me about the labor. Just show me the baby. Uh, yeah, he, and he has nothing to show. Uh, yeah. No All right. We well, that's next week's conversation after you guys lose against the Niners a week after. Yeah. Oh, hey, we gotta take a break. More to come coming up up next. You're tuned in to the Sports Spectacular on the Illini Guys Radio Network. As we continue, we promise we're going to talk a little Big Ten basketball, and here we go. Uh, fellas, right now, almost the halfway point. Most of the teams have played eight games. Uh, it's clear that that Purdue, forgotten in the preseason by everybody, but letting you know they're around, uh, they're the cream of the crop right now going into the weekend at 7-1. and one. They are playing well. You have to give them credit. You have to give credit to Matt Painter what he's done because obviously they have Zach Eady, and that's the game-changing part of this. But on the other side, they have they're relying on freshman guards, and they've marched out to an eighteen and one start. Um, so that's the kind of you know you got to give them credit. They, they're better defensively a little bit, and they're they're very hard to guard on the offensive end because Edie creates such a mismatch. Yeah, it, it, he is just a beast, and I don't know. I don't know if there's anybody in the Big Ten who can adequately defend him, um, and and so they are they're going to go through the the league, and I think it's fantastic for those young freshmen. They're not in quite the same stressful position that freshmen are in, where they've got to hit the shot, they've got a guy all over them, and that that determines their success or failure as a team. They have to hit a shot after that after the uh, opposing team is triple teamed Edie and they're wide open. And then to their credit, they're hitting the wide open shots. And right now, to be honest with you, if Illinois could hit free throws and they could hit a few open shots, they still would have been competitive against Indiana on a night that they didn't play well, but they're just not hitting them. Yeah. Well, that's, I think to your point, Purdue seven and one. Yeah. Zach Edie's a big part of that, but probably right now they're the most consistent team. Uh, in the Big Ten, as you go up and down and and look at who is doing what, Michigan State won seven in a row, lost back to back games. They come back and beat Rutgers. Uh, Rutgers has has played well. Uh, Wisconsin lost three straight when Wall was out. They come back, uh, they get pummeled at Indiana, come back and win. You know Iowa zero uh, three start four straight. I mean it goes on and on and on. Um, you know, and I think that's the thing that you know it's funny. It, it, but it's it's such a competitive league. I mean, let's give Purdue that. But again, we'll see if some team can get together and and at the end, you know, kind of, you know, give them a challenge. Who are the top four teams here? That's kind of the conversation when you think about it. It's impossible right now. There there isn't a clear cut 
three, four or five teams that's going to contend. We're still another maybe three weeks away from kind of defining who those teams are and maybe not even then. Yeah, I think it could come down to the wire. I mean, just see who is going to be second in this league. It looks to me like Purdue's going to win and everyone else is playing for second. Second place right now is one game ahead of, you know, eighth place. And so there's one game difference in all of those things and only a game and a half ahead of uh, 11th place. Second place is only a game and a half ahead of 11th place um, and only two games ahead of 12th place. Just to give you some perspective, that's kind of insane right now. The Big Ten is wide open after that Purdue. And, and when you look at some of the wins that we've seen on the, on the road even, Northwestern winning at Michigan State, Indiana and Penn State both winning at Illinois, all these, I mean, lots of, you know, road, road wins. That's kind of something we haven't seen as much of in the past from the bottom. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, this, it's really a little, little bit NFL-ish. We're going to have one team at the top with a great record, two teams at the bottom with a bad record, and everybody else at nine and nine or something. You know, it's it's just it's crazy or ten and ten. So um, it, it's crazy the way it's going. The only thing that I've kind of was thinking and almost laughing to myself is if if Jed Howard is going to get begged by his dad to stay one more year instead of going pro to keep that team afloat up in Michigan. But I mean um, that. You know, as soon as you think one team stinks, they turn it around. And then somebody else who's played well, they go into a shell. Yeah, let's look through this league right now and take Purdue out. Because I think, again, we, we discuss them and, and we know what they're about. And, and, you know, they're the, you know, anomaly, if you will, in terms of this year's Big Ten. Give me your biggest surprise in the Big Ten so far this season. You know, for me, I, I think it is Purdue because I thought their guards would struggle struggle more. But if I have to go outside of Purdue, the biggest surprise is Northwestern. Uh just being competitive, 3 and 3, 12 and 5. And now now shut down for two games with COVID. So we'll see how that plays out down the road if they're able to recover from that. They're going to have a really condensed schedule. But I I think they've been the biggest surprise cuz I thought they would be down there with, you know, Minnesota vying for last place in the in the in the, you know, just ahead of Minnesota, maybe 12th, 13th. And maybe they'll end up there, but right now they've been pretty, uh, pretty competitive, more competitive than I expected. And I think it's the parity for me because in college sports, you know, you've kind of got it where the best teams end up getting a little bit of an advantage in recruiting and they keep being the best teams. And this year for all those advantages of, of coaches who have long resumes and, and recruiting advantages in the rankings, anybody can beat anybody. I mean, you tune in a, T, a, a Big Ten game on TV, you really don't know who's going to win. Whereas in the past, you could at least half the time bet on the home team and feel pretty good, or you bet on two or three favorites in any individual year. This year, you never know who's going to get upset, and you better bring it. And if you don't, you're going to get beat up. It's probably great for Big Ten TV programmers. You know, Rutgers uh, this week became the 10th Big Ten team to reach the AP top 25 this season. I mean, that's, that's, that's incredible. I mean, there, there are only four teams in the big 10 so far that have not been ranked at all. And uh, that's Minnesota, uh, Nebraska, Penn state and Northwestern. Everyone else has been in the rankings at some point. Um, But my one team I would take, I would say right now, Wisconsin, because the three losses were without Tyler wall. If he's in, they probably win at least one of those three. 
Um, and even with all that, they're still uh, going into the weekend four and three, um, you know, two and a half games uh, behind Purdue right now. And I think they were one of those teams that, like last year, they were picked in the preseason to finish in the, the bottom half of the conference. And yet they're right there again in the mix. Uh, turn around to the other side. Um, what's t- which one team is the biggest disappointment so far for you? There's so many. <laughs> I think um, I, I would say my biggest disappointment um, thus far has been Michigan. Michigan is um, it was expected. You have Hunter Dickinson returning. You bring in Howard. Um, and yes, they've had an injury to the point guard, but they, they have a lot of talent on that roster and they should probably be better than, you know, 10 and eight or whatever they are. So I think they're a bit of a disappointment. And, and just to make it fair, I, I think Ohio state's a bit of a disappointment too. Um, they've, you know, lost five in a row and just have not looked very good in those games. And they really seem to be um, a team that doesn't have a lot of depth. Bryce Sensible is fantastic, but they, they've struggled in other areas. Yeah, I, w- I would have went with Ohio State because I thought their physical talent might might overcome, um, you know, some youth at some positions. And I also thought that they would have a better performance out of justice suing. You know, it, it, it is what it is. And I think Illinois, we know, was going to be a high ceiling team who could also have a low floor. And I thought once we went through maybe a floor, once or twice that we would start seeing the ceiling more often. And, you know, you've had games now with Missouri, Maryland, Penn state and, and Indiana that have been surprisingly uh, they've been surprisingly ineffective. And I did not expect to see that. I thought they might have problems scoring, but that their defense would keep games close and they've lost games by 15 points much more regularly than a Brad Underwood team you would expect. I would agree with all of those. I think you can, like with anything this season, um, there's no one answer to any question. There are several teams that's going to fit the category of what you're talking about. I'm going to go with Indiana because they were preseason yeah. top 15 and they were the you know going to be all, all everything. They were going to win year two of of, of Mike Woodson. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis is the most talked about big man um, in the country, it seems like at times. Um, of course, he was phenomenal the other night, but I think that you know this is a team that, um, you would expect a preseason uh, top 15 preseason uh, conference favorite to be better than three and four and 12 and six overall at this point. Um, yeah, they've had some injury problems. I get that. But um, that's the one again. Now, can they turn it around? Sure. I mean, there's a lot of, lot of season left. But as of right now, um, I'd have to probably pick them and put them in again with the mix with uh, Michigan, Illinois and Ohio State. There's no question. We're going to take a quick break right now. Uh, stay with us right here. Much more conversation to come after this quick timeout. You're tuned in to the Sports Spectacular on the Illini Guys Radio Network. If you served in the Marine Corps, by now you know about the contaminated water problem at Camp Lejeune. If you were stationed or worked at Camp Lejeune from 1953 to 1987, you probably have a lot of questions. We have some answers. You could be entitled to compensation. Billions of dollars are being allocated to pay for damages to anyone stationed at Camp Lejeune during that time. Unfortunately, it appears that officials may have known the contaminated water problem existed and did little to protect their men. The Semper Fi Code was not honored. If you or someone in your family has developed a serious illness, including various forms of cancer, call this Camp Lejeune legal support line right now. You can't turn back the clock and change what happened, but you can certainly call right now and learn your rights as a Marine. Here's the number. Call 800-254-3218. 
800-254-3218. That's 800-254-3218. Paid for by Legal Alert Line. Slow down, they say. You're getting older. Relax. Seriously, you're on a mission. You've got places to go, grandkids to see. At OSF Healthcare, we want you to be the best you possible, whoever you are, wherever you're going, whatever your mission is. We're here to support it because that's our mission. Your life, our mission. Learn more at osfhealthcare.org slash your way. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. Lots of other stuff uh, going around. Hey, you know, one of the, maybe the, I, I thought it was a shock when the news came out Thursday afternoon. Uh, Mike Bray, the all-time winningest coach um, at Notre Dame for the men's basketball program, announcing he's going to retire uh, at season's end. Only 63 years old. Didn't realize he's been there for 23 seasons. No wonder he's the all-time winningest coach. Uh, the Irish not doing well this year. You got to look at in terms of the record and and the way things are going. Maybe he was asked to uh, step aside and, and move on. He did say in a statement that it's time for a new voice to take over the program. Yeah, it was interesting. Actually, a um, couple of weird things happened. Uh, there was a uh, a guy who act a barstool employee who tweeted the day before that he was getting fired, or within twenty or a couple of days before that he was getting fired within twenty four hours. Then it turns out he he resigned. So I wonder if this wasn't some sort of like it's time to you know we were this guy went to back to back elite eights I think in fifteen and sixteen. So yeah. this is not a guy who has been unsuccessful, you know, falling on some hard times. So they wanted him to go out maybe with some class here. I don't think we've seen the last of Mike Bray coaching college basketball though. He may take a year off, recharge, and there will be an opening and he'll he'll be a candidate. Yeah, yeah, I like him as a coach. He's he's. You know, I had the opportunity to see Notre Dame game and sitting in press row. Um, he's got a great demeanor with his his kids, um, a, a good coach overall. Uh, you know, I, it's sad to see him go, but like Brad, you know, at 63, there's still time for him to to go somewhere. And, and depending on where he ends up, he might be able to make some noise. So, um, you know, there, there's there's got to be a couple programs and some athletic directors out there who might go, I think I got a winner here. Mike, Mike, you got to know, Mike Bray is also the only guy in the summer circuit who looks like he's homeless when he comes to the games. <laughs> I mean, he really he looks like he hasn't shaved. He's, he just had, you know, whatever. He just looks like he rolled out of bed and shaved in three so weeks. He and I should get along great then. <laughs> <laughs> He'd fit right in on the Illini guy sports spectacular. Perhaps <laughs> we have a new gig for him. There you go. The organizers of the event calling police. Listen, there's this guy in this Notre Dame polo shirt over there, the baseball cap. He hasn't shaved in a week. Yeah, we need to check that out. So yeah, he does have a bad, uh, bad stubble. That's true. One of the worst stubbles around uh, Mike Bray, you know, uh, Mike Krzyzewski assistants uh, generally don't fare too well. There's not, it's, it's hard to find anybody with great postseason success. If you served under Krzyzewski, Mike Bray would, would be the one guy you could say the most successful Krzyzewski assistants um, ever to come out of that uh, coaching tree. Uh, big news out West. Uh, we thought we'd never see the day Gonzaga. That 76 game, I believe it's, is it a conference home win streak? No, I think it's just home win streak. Overall home win streak. Wow. What a run. It's pretty good, right? I mean, 70 some games at, at home and then they lose to Loyola Marymount by one point. Um, big upset. Gonzaga was up to number six in the polls. And, you know, everybody kind of bags on their schedule each year that they don't play as tough a schedule. And, 
you know, and I think that's valid, but at the same time, it's almost maybe it might be a little better for them to lose a game or two because I think then they become a little bit more um, focused and, and understand what they have to do if they want to make a run in the NCAA tournament. And I don't think they're as good as they have been. They don't have the guard talent that they've had in the past. Yeah, I mean, it's still I, – I think it's probably better to get that out of their system so it's not like the big thing that that, that everybody's kind of gunning up for and add that stress. But um, I've never been one to to fault somebody. You can only play the people who are on your schedule, you know, and and – you know, these kids can't control what conference Gonzaga's in. So um, a, a great streak. And and now it's like all other streaks they end. And um, I guess uh, coach fuel have to see if he can start another one. Yeah. You know, Gonzaga, they play just a, a really tough non-conference schedule last year played more, uh, you know, teams of consequence than Duke did. Um, I mean, look it up. I'm not just hating on Duke. It is. It is what it is. Um, so, you know, I, I've great, I give them great credit that they schedule as best they can in their situation and what a program that they've got out there. Okay. little football here. And uh, same time next year, uh, every January, uh, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers stop playing. And then the question is, <laughs> will they continue playing? I mean, you know, both are, you know, older than Methuselah. Um, Tom Brady is a free agent. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is not, but again, he's, you know, it's always the question, will he hang around? What's next for these two? It's interesting. I mean, you know, I think Rodgers is probably from a physical standpoint, he's a little bit younger, a little still able to play, but, and do some things that uh, Brady can't because Brady is as, you know, he's almost old as Mike. So he's getting up there. So I think that, um, I think that Rodgers has a lot of a. There are a lot of people with appeal for Rodgers. I mean, because if you are a quarterback away from winning a Super Bowl and you just need that guy and you've got the defense or you've got this, he's a guy who can do that for you. I really believe that. Brady, on the other hand, I think he's going to, he, although people will see him as that, a quarterback who can come in and win that, I I think he's past that. I I don't think he's that level anymore. I think he's kind of falling back, but he can help you. Um, because there are a lot of bad quarterbacks in the league, and you know he's going to – if you have a good offensive line, you run the ball and you give him time to throw, he's going to be effective as well. Yeah, it's it's interesting because both Brady and and Rodgers seem to be in the uh, Brett Favre uh, annual retirement stakes, sweepstakes, you know, mode. Um, I think each of them would have something to offer. I do think that – if you get Rodgers behind the right offensive line with some tools, he can win games. The issue is, is a little bit Jeff Georgian. He's not the greatest leader of people. And, and, and so you, you have to have a strong locker room and leadership presence outside of the quarterback position. Um, Brady, again, you know, I, I, there's no doubt he's a talented guy, but do you put your, your franchise in the hands of somebody who literally could, could, you know, get, get just killed, you know, and, and it not, uh, not use that word exactly, but, you know, just who well, could basically be gone. AARP benefits, Mike. So yeah, that's exactly. what he and I, he and I, he actually sent me a note on how to file for that. Um, so, so <laughs> well, I did help him out. Discounts there. for the team dinners, right? Cause he's, there you go. That's what, that's, that's, so maybe he can afford to take his lineman out to, the sizzler and get some discounts. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Or Ponderosa. They'll have to go to the early bird special though. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Listen guys, practice at two o'clock. So we're done by three 30. Cause we're getting, we're getting dinner at four. 
Uh, <laughs> early bird. <laughs> I know. I know you're not hungry, but this guy is because because uh, he's old. Tom Brady. You know, when you think about who knew that the key to the Bucks wasn't Tom Brady, but Bruce Aarons. Like Arians, once he goes upstairs and re- and retires from coaching and goes to the front office, it all falls apart. Five assistants fire this week, including Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator, who was the genius right of this offense and he was the guy that that was making it happen and he's interviewing for head coaching jobs and comes back to be offensive coordinator and now he's out of a job i mean who who would have thunk it but hey as far as brady goes you know one of the possible destinations that's being rumored maybe is brad sturdy's vegas raiders would you want him as your as your guy as your quarterback no okay i'll take rogers though okay there you go i'll take rogers but you know, the one thing about brady Brady might come at a discount. You know, if you if he comes for cheap, you can get him for, you know, I don't know, whatever. What's cheap? $10 million a year or something like that? That's 15, all. maybe. Yeah, I mean, that's cheap, right, for a quarterback. But if he comes for that, then maybe there's an option. I don't know. I, I just don't think that's the answer. I think, you know, Las Vegas needs to get a better quarterback. Now, I, you know who I would take as a Raider, man? Who? There's this guy from Baltimore named Lamar Jackson. Ah. There you go. Now you're talking. Now you're speaking my language. Yeah, I think it'd be hard to turn down uh, Jackson. I mean, he's a guy who's got uh, not only some talent, but he's got a little bit of flash, and he plays an exciting brand of ball. And with that stadium right there in Vegas, I can see a lot of your average you know, fans coming into town for a weekend and saying, I'd love to see the, the Raiders play with, with him at quarterback. I think it'd be a big draw. Yeah, Jackson will be good. He's got a, he's very talented, good player, and it's an odd situation there in Baltimore. Uh, my my concern with Brady is that he's he's freshly uh, divorced, and he has a lot of money, and um, maybe Vegas is too tempting for him. I don't know. Uh, okay, hey, he hasn't won anything since he got divorced. Exactly. Maybe Giselle was the key. He's and he's aged like ten years this year. Like all of a sudden, yeah. like he he always he looked thirty five until this year, and all of a sudden, like in four months, he aged ten years. So. Um, it'll be a good thing. All right. Keep it here. Much more to come after this. Tough night, Thursday night, and now a couple of off days to think about it. 80-65 loss to an Indiana team that has struggled just two and four in league play coming in, but they left Champaign Thursday with some new life. Let's listen in to part of Illini coach Brad Underwood's presser afterwards. It looked like a team that had five days off and prepared for us. Um, we looked like a team who had been 19 straight days without a day off. And uh, you can't miss 14 free throws. You can't miss 13 layups. And uh, it'd be a good team. And, and especially one that has uh, arguably one of the best players in the country. Um, a lot of lessons to be learned in this one. We weren't very uh, assignment sound uh, on the defensive side. Um, they bothered us. Nobody's bothered us running offense. And I, we just, again, I'm not going to make, make excuses. They were tougher. They were better. They deserve all the credit. Questions? Doug. 35 for Trace Jackson Davis, 54 points uh, in the paint uh, from Indiana. Was, was there a discussion about changing anything defensively the way you were, you were uh, covering him in the post? I don't, I'm not worried about his 35. I'm worried about his, I'm worried about Geronimo's 13 when he's averaging five. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, Dane guarded him pretty good for about three possessions. And um, then we just lay behind him. And, you know, we, 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 we've got a double package. We actually tried it. It doesn't show that, but we tried it. And uh, uh, it didn't matter tonight. Guys, I'm just telling you, it was an off night. And mentally, we were fatigued. And physically, we were worse. And Matt's sick. So that doesn't help either. Brad, obviously Dane hasn't gone against this caliber, but there's a couple more in the Big Ten that play like this. What can you learn from this experience? Well, they're different. Yeah. This one's slippery. This one's a freak athlete. This one's the best athlete in our league and at any position. And you know, that's the way Dane needs to play. Dane's like that. And um, But, yeah, I mean, you let, a, you let a really good player catch and um, catch at his spots, and, and he's he's a problem. But uh, you know, we hold him to three threes. But it, it's it's all the you know the first half second chance points. We knew what Geronimo and you know Renault and those. I mean, it, it was just wasn't there today, guys. It wasn't there. I mean, seven assists. We've just seen you guys move the ball more than that, I guess, in the last during this win streak. And what do you think was behind that? And then just two guys in double figures, which is also a little abnormal. Yeah, it's all all of what you said. I, what was behind it? I guess their defense and our just our lack of mental want to. I mean, it's it's we knew that they were going to pressure us, and you know, spread is unbelievable against pressure, and you got dribble entries and high post entries, and and we just we didn't fight very hard. And uh, again, we looked like a team that was not in the gym tonight. That's on me. Thank you, right? Um, I know it's not the outcome you wanted, but talk about the rivalry as a coach. I mean, what's it mean to, to coach in this type of an atmosphere? It's what college basketball is about. Illinois, Indiana, I don't know, KUK State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. You take it, go right on down the list. Uh, every school's got them. Um, this just happens to be one that has the most outstanding high school basketball, uh, youth basketball in the country in those two states. So people grow up with it. And uh, I have tremendous appreciation for that. And, uh, and obviously you got two historic programs that uh, uh, have had a lot of success on the hardwoods. Michigan State had 28 points in the paint first half. Indiana's night 30 first half, 54 in the game. Any parallels between the two? Anything that you're seeing where you're not getting? Who won the Michigan State game? <laughs> you guys did. Okay. You're going to give up something. You want to give up threes, you want to give up twos. Same defense we played last year. Same defense we played last year. We didn't give up threes. And, and same, same time last year, we were 13 and 5. Just like we were going into this game, uh, we, what we didn't have is 19 straight days. And I'm not going to make a mountain out of a molehill. They were great. They were great. They deserved to win the game. They whooped our butt in every category. Uh, but yeah, are there lessons to learn out of this? Absolutely. Yeah. Free throw shooting hasn't been maybe a major strength this year, but I mean tonight, like 40, whatever it was, percent. Is, I mean, I don't. Is there a way you can address that, or is it it's just mental fatigue? We shoot them every day. It's mental fatigue. You can go back any year you want to, any year you want to look, and I'll tell you every game where we were flat mentally, and I'll look at our free throw shooting, and because that's your your ability to concentrate, and be focused, and dialed in. And 
We had chances to keep it close early. We missed free throws. We missed layups. And, you know, it doesn't matter what offense you run, but you get a layup and you miss it. And then or you get fouled and you miss free throws. Uh, you know, that's that to me, it's it, that's a mental toughness deal that, yeah, we got to get better at. Okay. Probably with the 19th straight days, now that you have a little bit more time including what's kind of the approach there when well, now, now the NCAA makes you take two days off because you go so many in a row. So now we, we can't touch a basketball. We can't be in the gym. We can't be with our guys for two straight days. So we have those two uh, coming up on Friday and Saturday, and then it's back to game prep mode. Uh, and again, this year's calendar is all messed up. It's shorter calendar, so we've got games crammed in there. But 19, ga- 19 days in a row is a lot. Just to clarify, Brad, on Matt, did you show up tonight knowing if you were going to have him tonight or was it kind of touch and go? He said he was going to try to go. So he tried. I mean, just again, it's just like you have another one of these stretches like this. But I mean, going through this, I mean, does that make you reevaluate maybe how you treat the uh, maybe a 19 straight day stretch in the future? Oh, I mean, I, we, we, done very little on the day after games, um, more mental approaches, but, um, you know, and then, and then we've tried to prepare a little bit. Our practices have been a lot shorter. Um, I, you know, I don't know, maybe I go back to my three-hour practices and just grind them and get them tough, and I don't know. But no, we, we can't do that. It's, um, it, you know, it is what it is. You know, when you play every night of the week and you got to get 20 games in, it's 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 what it is. And I'm not trying to make this an excuse. I'm 19 days is a lot. It's probably the longest I've ever been in my career uh, without having at least one day off in there. Uh, and I don't want to take anything away from Indiana guys. They whooped our butt. And uh, but we were due for one. I know, I know you want to defend without fouling, but if you look, look at the foul totals, no fouls on Coleman Hopkins, no fouls on Meyer. Just, do you want him to be more aggressive and use up a few fouls? No, fouling is a defensive mistake. Doesn't have anything to do with, a, with the, those two guys are really smart. They're usually in the right position. And guys that foul are usually the ones in the wrong position. Uh, you know, and, and again, it's guys like Trace are really hard. Okay, the NBA has a five-second rule, back-end rule. Okay, we don't have that in college. So you could take you could take a guy with the ball and back him in for 20 seconds, and you can't defend him because you can't touch him until he gets inside the little hash outside the lane. So positioning is really important. I don't know how you guard some of that with, you know, I mean, our, you watch our leg, all our leg is post players. Doesn't matter if they're 6'2 or they're seven foot. They're just backing their way into the post up because there's. You know, I asked the officials tonight, how do you guard it? Just slam bodies and slam bodies. I don't know how you guard it. So, yeah, I guess double, triple, quadruple, I don't know. Until you figure out how to guard it because you can't put a form on it. Illinois now 13-6 and six on the season, 4-4 four and four in Big Ten play. And as Coach Underwood mentioned, mandatory two days off, and then they'll begin prep for their Tuesday night home game versus Ohio State before heading to Wisconsin next Saturday. A couple of future Illini talk to Kedrick Prince next on the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com.
You could say that Shauna Green's successes began even before her Illini basketball team started winning on the court, locking up four-star talents Gretchen Dolan and Corey Allen in the early November signing period. IlliniGuys.com's director of recruiting, Kedrick Prince, caught up with them recently on his Ked's Recruiting Roundup podcast. It's definitely very relieving that it's over. Um, like, I enjoyed the process, but, like, at times it was very stressful and a long process, but I'm super grateful for it all. But, like I said... Um, yeah, like I am glad that, you know, I know where I'm going next year and now I can just focus on this season and then getting there next year. Okay. And Corey, what, what was your day like? Can you explain the feeling to the listeners out there? What was it like for you and the process that you went through? So um, at school, we always have a really big celebration. Like we, you know, we have multiple, multiple um, different athletes. We had six signees. So it was just a big celebration, huge. So I actually signed my letter right after um, we did it at school. So it was so relieving. It was very stressful. I'm not going to lie. Like <laughs> trying to figure out how to sign what, make sure I signed the right thing. But once it got done, I just felt so relieved. And it's just like, now that it's official, I'm just really locked in. I'm just happy. So what about from the, um, you know, just knowing that the, the whole recruiting process was like for you, are you glad that that part's over too so you don't have to deal with those phone calls and coaches asking for you and, and that whole process? Oh, yeah, very, very relieved. Like, you know, but I always had my mind pretty much set on where I was going to go. And now it's just like it's not a secret anymore. Now that it's not a secret and it's official, it just it's made my life so much easier. And I'm just really happy to be a part of the family. Well, let me ask you guys this, and I'll stay with you, Corey, right now. Did you have you guys talked to each other before this? Did you guys have any communication, or do you guys know each other? You know, we you played know? each other. <laughs> what? Uh oh. Yeah, we played against each other. Okay, I can't yeah. wait. To, okay, well, I can't wait to hear this. Okay, so you give me your version of what happened, then I'm gonna ask Gretchen. Wait, my version? <laughs> yeah, I want to hear that. <laughs> All right, back. So check me out. So where are we at? We were at Louisville, Kentucky, right? Right? Yeah. So. Yep. My point guard, she was hurt. Her foot was messed up. And we was like, we was playing Philly Ross. I was like, dang, ah, got to figure it out. So, boom, I ran point the whole game. And then, like, you know, my team ain't really based off of, you know, high Division One profile players. So, it's like, I'm just like, do your job, do this, do this. Like, I'm just trying to win. So, I had the guard Gretchen, of course, because Gretchen's shooting 40 feet away from the three-point line. So, I'm over here, I have to chase her like a – like a chicken. I'm over here chasing her everywhere across the court. And, you know, I was cool with that. I was cool with that. You feel me? So, uh, that game, I really turned up. I feel like, Gretchen, you can agree. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, let me ask you this. Do you, have, yeah. do you remember how, how many points you scored that game? I don't know. I really Ooh, don't. Oh. I had, we won. We won. Yeah. You won? <laughs> okay. So, tell me this. How good is Gretchen? Hey, I, I can be honest. Gretchen, you're a bucket. Like, Gretchen's a bucket. I, like, shooting 40 feet from the line is crazy. Consistently is crazy. Like, as soon as – as long as you're on that coach's radar, the opposite coach's radar, where that's, like, one of the kids you have to watch out for, I feel like that's that's something you got to really look at. And she was one of those kids while I was guarding her, of course. I know. I've seen some video footage, and I'm going to tell you, I just – I've done a couple podcasts from other people, and I'm going to tell you, you guys have come up just because of the talent. I mean, I wrote a column today just – I'm not going to lie to you. I was bragging because you guys are some, you're difference makers. I mean, you like, it's, it says a lot about the both of you and your character to be a part of this program. The coaching staff is great. I mean, they're great people. 
and I'm not just saying this because I, you know, I cover them, but I've seen them with recruits. I've seen them in practice. It's different. I mean, it's a different environment. I think you're both very, very lucky to be in this situation. And I have both of you. Now, Gretchen, I have to give you your turn. So give me your assessment of the game and what you thought of the game playing against Corey Allen. Um, I mean, like, thinking about it now, it's funny just because, you know, we're on here together. Um, but remember what I remember from that game. Um, so one of, like, our best players, Hannah, she just made the USA team. So we we're still trying to um, – that was, like, one of our first tournaments without her. So we were kind of trying to figure out um, how to play without her. Um but yeah, I guarded Corey for like most of the game, actually. And yeah, I mean, like same thing. They would just put like that screen and roll action and then <laughs> freaking like pull up jump shot by the elbow. Like I, I didn't know what to do. It's just because, a matchup. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was tough. Definitely. Because definitely with that pick and roll. Yeah, we didn't know what to do with that. You can hear the entire interview with Gretchen and Corey on the Keds Recruiting Roundup podcast, and you can find that wherever you download your podcast. Well, more to come here, including um, that uh, that Greek guy with the, the heel thing. Uh, how do you say his name? That's next. Do you know someone with a drug or alcohol problem? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol nightmare. Are drug and alcohol problems hitting you too close to home? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. 877-927-3380. 877-927-3380. That's 877-927-3380. At Busey Bank, we understand you have a vision for your future, and we're committed to helping you achieve your dreams. Since 1868, we've invested in recruiting and retaining the best and brightest associates. Busey's unique culture is one that values and supports you, provides opportunities for growth, and is much more than a job. It's a career. Build relationships, build community, and build your career at Busey Bank. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. You know, we don't talk much wrestling here, but uh, Kegley's a really big fan, and he's excited about this. So, Mike, go ahead. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm excited about it, but Vince McMahon has come back to the WWE despite $19 million of hush money for sexual picadillos he's back as the chairman with the excuse that they are looking to sell uh the wwe so will it be comcast will it be the saudi royal family um no one knows and of course vince is there to make a deal so we'll see how much money vince mcmahon can walk off into the sunset with as a 77 year old year old they're gonna bring one of those saudi princes He's going to come off the top rope and God. give like an elbow smash and take the contract out of the, you know, you know, that's something like that's going to happen, right? Oh, he'll be, you know, he'll be, I, I think he also is wanting to book, try to book the match with uh, uh, the rock and Roman reigns at this year's WrestleMania. Potentially they're looking to do that. And Brock Lesnar wants to come back and he doesn't work with anybody other than Vince. So. And who's going to tell Brock Lesnar he can't? <laughs> I'm not. Lots of fireworks ahead for 2023. Hey, fireworks already uh, 
going off like it's 4th of July in Boulder, Colorado. Deion Sanders, we wondered if he could still recruit and coach and all that. Hey, on the recruiting front, you see he just flipped the number one defensive back in the country, got the kid to flip his commitment, and he's coming to Colorado. Prime time, prime time. Yeah, you you know, but here's the thing. If I'm a cornerback, I, yeah. who do you want to play for? Sure. Maybe the greatest cornerback of all time in NFL history. So maybe that's the guy you go to. So I think he's going to recruit well. He obviously has a great personality. He's well-known. He's famous. He's been successful. So I think that it's uh, it's not surprising that he would recruit well. And Dion is going to change that program. I'm not, I'm not saying that he's going to make Colorado into what they were when they were the Buffaloes winning national titles. But they're going to be much more competitive than they have been for the, in the recent past because he will bring in enough talent to make a difference. Yeah, I'm not certain if he's the the guy that you know. I, can he coach four point? You know, the four one forty. We'll see. But um, if you're a cornerback, he there's only one guy to go to if you really want to have some fun. It's Dion. Yeah, uh, Kermani McLean. He had committed to the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, since October was going to sign the early signing period, but uh, decided to wait when Sanders uh, went to Colorado and, uh, and there it is. So second year in a row that he's done this, remember Travis Hunter was going to go to Florida yeah. state a year ago and he wound up instead going to Jackson state and uh, uh, with Sanders there. So Dion making a splash. I agree with you, Brad. I'm, I don't know if he'll go 10 and two and win a Pac-12 title, whatever, but he's going to make Colorado interesting and, and get them lots of press. Um, and I do think they will win some games at the same time, he did prove his chops, uh, and I give him credit for that. Um, you know, hey, one final story. Uh, Jared Jeffries, a former Indiana basketball player. Uh, interesting moment in retirement, Brad. Well, he's winning. He won, right? Yeah. He won a car, just what he needed. <laughs> Couldn't afford it before from playing in the NBA. <laughs> but he's not the – but I, I have to say he's not the best Indiana grad on a game show. Not the most famous one, though. That guy in the Wheel of Fortune who couldn't pronounce Achilles was the was the most famous one. So, what did he say? Mythological hero, Achilles. 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 Oh, no. Achilles. Who? Really? Oh. <clears throat> and he had a million dollars. He would have won a million dollars oh. just if you could if you could only pronounce Achilles. He went. He was an Indiana so, grad so, on the college week. Well, you know, it's it's tough. You know, some of those classes over there apparently. At, but you know they talk about Atulus all the time. Oh man! <laughs> well, clearly uh, mythology is his Atulus heel. Uh, <laughs> oh, so we leave it there. Uh, two more two hours has gone by so quickly yet again. We appreciate everybody coming by. See, we we made we made you laugh, didn't we? There we go. Hey, for uh, Josh on the audio board, Mike and Brad, I'm Larry. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the weekend. We will see you right back here, same time, same station next week. ILL. This has been a presentation of LMBC Sports, LLC, and JM Talent Productions. We'll be back next week on the Illini Guys Radio Network on these same stations across Illinois.